Hello, and welcome to At the Forefront, FinTech Conversations. I'm Michael Kingsley, a Senior Vice President at Forefront Communications. And Forefront is a strategic comms, marketing, and PR firm focused on the capital markets and institutional FinTech sectors. Our guest today is Peter Gargone, the founder and CEO of N-Tier Financial Services, one of our great clients. And N-Tier is an innovative technology company that specializes in helping their clients minimize regulatory reporting risk and cost. Hello, Peter. How are you? I'm great. This is the first episode of the podcast where we are both in the same room together, which is pretty exciting. We started this podcast during the pandemic, as as many podcasts were probably. So Peter and I are sitting across a conference table from each other here in our forefront offices on Park Avenue South. So thank you for coming in for that, Peter. My pleasure. So let's jump right into it. What is Entier and what do you do for your clients? So we're a software provider and we have a large-scale data aggregation validation engine that we use in the regulatory space. And for the majority of our clients, we're essentially sitting in front of their reg reporting streams, taking data from all the different sources. When they're going to send data, for example, if you're sending data to the regulators, like to the SEC, we're sitting in front of that stream and we're helping them check that data, make sure it's right and correct it if, if it's wrong to help them minimize risk and fines. Now, you guys have been around, I think, 22 years is the magic number? Yeah, so okay. a very long time. So what you've done for clients has changed quite a bit from the beginning. It's evolved, but the core platform is something that we designed, and we designed it in 2000, starting in March of 2000, which was perfect timing, the top of the NASDAQ, <laughs> right? Remember so that, that, was, yes. that was uh, kind of great. But we've designed the platform in 2000 as a rules-based product that could be used for any data. And we've sort of evolved that, adding layers and layers of functionality over the years. The core platform itself hasn't changed. The application of it has been adjusted or sort of shifted more into the regulatory space because that's where a lot of the data challenges are and a lot of the cost associated with bad data exists. You took us all the way back to, uh, I guess, the dot-com crash. But what you guys did and the interest you saw from the market really picked up after the financial crisis. Is yes, that, the, I have that the right? financial crisis was a trigger for us. That turned into sort of a growth phase for us. And essentially what's driving that is after the flash crash, right? The regulators kind of got pretty stringent on the firms. They started to sort of go after the firms for basically bad regulatory reporting. And the reason for that was when they had the flash crash, they realized that the data they had would not give them an accurate view of the market. And because they couldn't put the market back together, they really had no idea what the different players in this in the market were doing. I understand. And so the challenges that your clients or potential clients, prospects mm-hmm. faced shifted a lot. I think you told me earlier when we were chatting that the way people viewed your offering changed a lot, that originally it was kind of, oh, that's interesting, but then it shifted to kind of a need to have, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when we were out selling the product, we had our first product in the market in 2003. We were selling that in the regulatory risk space, more in the risk management focused. And we had a lot of cases where we'd go in with firms and we'd sit down and they, they sort of understood that the data was bad, But there was really no appetite to fix it because there was no cost of having the wrong data, right? Mm -hmm. You look at brokerage operations, right? A lot of that settled around, you know, it's around settlement. You get paid for your trades. You trade with your clients. Customers happy. 
everything kind of runs along. But then there's all these other buckets of data that are used to support the ancillary processes in these firms. And those data sets don't have the same level of controls as you see in sort of the settlements, back office, middle office area, mainly because there wasn't a need for it, right? And mm -hmm. firms used it as sort of, it's sort of viewed as ancillary. You know, if you get the data and it's kind of right, people would be okay with that. Yeah, so just how cavalier were folks with this well, in like 2000? they like, I don't even care or... I have other fish to fry before I worry about my data. With any sort of global organization, right? There, a lot of our clients are very big. I mean, we have some small, medium ones, but a lot of them are billion-dollar organizations. With the large companies, it's always a matter of priorities, right? So the prioritization of work across the organization drives everything. And, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't a priority. Now, if the SEC or the Fed comes to you and says you have a problem, that's going to be a priority, right? So... We're sort of at the top of the priority queue because of that shift and from where we were probably towards the bottom originally. Gotcha. So financial crisis, flash crash, suddenly yep. a switch is flipped yep. and the regulatory side of what you do becomes important and is yes. driving that. That's still 15 years ago. Yes. So I'm curious yes. how, you know, if, if regulatory still is the biggest part of your business yeah. and how- yes, it is. It is. Okay. Mm -hmm. and, and how changing regulations have- made what you do either more important right. or, you know, how has it changed in 15 years since that switch being flipped? Well, so 2008, we were focused on a handful of regulations, right? So we started, we went from an operational sort of risk management type focus into regulatory and we picked up our, you know, we started with a project with a firm to do our first regulation, which was electronic blue sheets or EBS as they're known in the industry, right? Then we sort of started to spin that in offering across clients. And we got a bunch of clients using that. And then we picked up a few more regs. We started looking at Lopper, which is basically options reporting. And then most recently, we've, you know, we were doing Oats, Lopper, and basically those three core regs. And now what's happened is as part of the flash crash, right, they've, the industry adopted CAT as a replacement for Oats. That really put a new regulation across basically what ends up being 2,000 plus brokers, right? So our addressable market in the U.S., if you just look at CAT and K's, which are the two core regs that we've done a lot with in the last two years, is really thousands of potential clients. And those are clients international. You know, a lot of those are the foreign BDs, right? A lot of, we have a lot of foreign firms in our client list that are basically big overseas and they have business here, but they're not, the U.S. is not their core business. Right. That's what I was going to start to ask you about yeah. the, the international side of it. Yeah. So on the compliance side, are you just helping regulatory, just helping with the U.S. regime or are you helping with Europe, with U.K. compliance as well? Our client base is global. We've got good footprints across most of the large sort of European countries. And the client base is using us primarily at this point for the U.S. trading regs, right? So we're in the process of spinning something up in London and building up another team out there to start looking at UK and Europe. We're looking at other spaces in the US, right? So we, we kind of view what we're doing now with the US trading regs as sort of a growth engine. Mm -hmm. And that growth engine has you know a lot more legs behind it to keep growing but just because of the number of potential clients. And we're trying to replicate that across other sort of regions, other regulatory sort of regimes, and basically expand that into other sort of segments of the markets and countries. So I'm curious if you could take me through a new regulation comes online. We read Gary Gensler, we, yep. we were reading in the journal something, there's a comment period, it goes into effect, okay? Mm -hmm. 
what is everybody doing in the factory over at Entier when uh, when a new regulation comes online? I know you have the rules-based engine. I know yeah, you expand yeah. it. But how do you guys figure out what this means and start rolling it out to clients? That's a really good question because that's one of the key differentiators with us. So if I go back and I look at CAT, for example, right? CAT itself was probably about, I want to say, 60 different data sets, something like 60 different data sets, right? And every one of those data sets has anywhere between 10 and 60 different data points, right? So it's it's basically covering the full life cycle of a trade across an organization, whether it's routing or sort of orders or whatever, right? And from our perspective, that was a configurations exercise of basically taking our rules engine and basically just setting up each of those data sets within the platform and basically putting in the all the validations we want, basically putting in the mappings for the cross-source controls, and then basically putting layering in the reporting on top of that. That's not a development exercise. And where we have seen most of our potential competition sort of fall down is that they have to build this from scratch. Without the rules engine and all the functionality behind it, you're essentially coding to build those data sets, and then you're coding for the validations on it, you're basically going to have software developers building every single one of those. And then if someone changes it, you got to go back and basically change your platform and roll that across your clients. So that's been a key differentiator for us. I wonder if you if you have a client who's been with you for a long time, yeah. and you've set up the mechanism to collect a lot of data, and forgive me if I'm being too sim- simplistic here, mm-hmm. and a new regulation comes online. Yeah. How often is the data that's necessary to comply with that new regulation something that you've already been collecting and now it's just a matter of processing it and normalizing it and cleaning it and outputting it a different way? In a different format, right. Or is there a new regulation where it's asking for totally different data that you weren't already collecting? It's it's a mixed bag, right? I mean, within the U.S., if you look at the trading regs, there's overlap between the option space, there's overlap between blue sheets, and there's overlap between CAT. So if they're looking at execution data from like options, they're going to overlap, right? So to some extent, yeah, what you're getting at is true, but there's always different nuances to the data and there's different sort of slices around the characterization and classification of the data, which means you, in many cases, you might be looking at the same data, but they may be looking at it for different reasons. And that's going to drive sort of nuances behind like how you work with that data or how they want you to present it to them. Got it. I mean, data in itself, yeah. right? It, this is all very nuanced, right? You know, it's yep. even within a firm, if you're looking at your data, it's not always the case that people understand all the nuances to, to what the regulators are actually looking for when they were doing this reporting. The level of expertise in the regs we yep. cover is a key differentiator. And there's really two to three, right? Uh-huh. It's the software, which can take your data from anywhere without doing development, basically quick to integrate, roll out very quick. It's the team itself is uh-huh. a very important component of that. The level of experience we have across regulatory operations, across like settlement, across all the different components of these financial institutions, and then our compliance team with the knowledge of the regs, that makes a big difference. And then we couple that with like we've spent the last two years on sort of AWS integration, right? And we've gotten ourselves to the point where we can stand up a new client very quickly in our AWS environment, and that's allowed us to really accelerate our growth, right? Yeah, let's talk about that for a second. So does the competition use AWS also? Everybody uses AWS, but I mean, not everybody, right? Like some of the big ones have their own data centers. Uh So integrating AWS was a big change for Entier and for how the clients interact with you. Tell us Mm -hmm. a little bit more about that. 
basically, we used to be primarily an on-site sort of solution, right? So if we go back five years, right, our model would be you're a big client, you're a big bank, you have your infrastructure, you buy our software, you lease it from us, but we install it in your infrastructure. That model started to break down probably three years ago, where a lot of firms were just basically don't really have the capacity to do this anymore internally. And they started pushing us to a cloud solution. We were kind of forced into the cloud, if you would. Now, we've chosen AWS because they're probably the most solid provider. But in doing that, we have spent probably two years on security, security audits, right? We've spent that time making sure everything's automated so no one's touching our cloud infrastructure manually. And we've gotten it to like a work stream where we can stand up new clients very quickly, but we've got our SOC audits done and we've got a very secure environment that the clients feel comfortable with. And when you're selling the cloud, right, it's these cloud solutions, it's very easy to set them up the wrong way and create a cloud environment that's not at all secure, right? So you have to be very careful around how you architect your cloud and how you actually use that to deliver the services to your clients. And we're, we're in a really good spot with that. I'm curious about, you've mentioned it a couple of times now about almost the buy versus build dichotomy. Mm-hmm. So you said, you know, people try to build it in-house and they can't do it. Yeah. Or, yep. or for some, it's just, it's no longer even feasible. Yeah. So when you're out prospecting or when you're talking to new clients and prospects, potential new clients mm-hmm. and prospects, are you more often running into people who have another solution in place and then you supplant it? Or people who are trying, who are smaller and they're trying to build their own solution? Mm-hmm. What do you find is the status quo for your prospects as they're coming in? You know, from our perspective, we have really four or five parts to the offering. And some firms will have their own reporting engines that are sitting and been built out internally. We can sit in a validation space and a sort of a double checking space, which provides you independence and the regulators really like. We can take over the reporting and actually supplant your existing systems and replace them. So it really varies. You'll have some firms who say, okay, I want you to actually just check our reports, make sure we're right and give us a security blanket. We can do that, right? And then you'll have other firms who say, well, I don't want to maintain two reporting systems. I want you guys to actually take this over and do the reporting. From our perspective, we're really not tied to one or the other. You know, we don't have a model where we go in and say, okay, you have to replace your regulatory reporting vendor or your internal systems. We'll go in and say, okay, this is why it would be valuable for you as a client to do that, to have us check it, even if you want to keep it. But if you don't want to keep it, we can take that. We can do that too. We we also will sit in front of that reporting stream, even if you keep your external infrastructure or internal one. We'll sit in front of it and actually help you correct any mistakes before it goes to the regulator. So it's just sort of from a client delivery perspective, right? You're getting the same kind of service. The, the end result is clean data to your regulator, right? Regardless of which way you try to work with us or choose to work with us. Yeah, no, I, I understand. All right, so let's talk a little bit about, you've mentioned it a couple of times here. You guys are seeing a lot of growth and, and it seems like cat case compliance yeah. is what's yeah. really driving it. So can you take us through the advent of cat case, how clients started to adopt it, and why you think that continues to be a big addressable market for you guys? Cat has been a very phased project, right? It's gone over many years, right? It's gone, you know, in equities, options, reference data around Ks with a, a minimalist footprint for the regulators to get some data on the clients. And now to the last stage of this, which is really 
the expansion of K's into a full view of customer information, right? The complexity of every one of those phases has its own nuances, and the customer data side of it is much more robust and sort of enriched than anything the regulators have today. With some really interesting sort of like cross-firm feedback loops to help people sort of help the regulators figure out if multiple firms have different views of the same client, right? So this is a a lot more robust than anything that the regulators have had in the past. From our perspective, we've been basically helping our clients keep up with every one of those deliverables in a sort of core sort of reporting, validation, and different sort of capacities based on what the client has sort of contracted us to do. This is broker-dealer clients who have it's to be broker compliant dealer clients, yes. And the deadline has rolled a couple of times. Yep. I know there was a July 13th date to be compliant, but now we're talking about TBD in yeah, the, four, in the October, fourth quarter. Like October, most likely. Where do you think the industry is at generally in being ready for that at this point? I think most people are getting a lot closer to it. There are providers out there that are helping firms with it, like especially on the back office providers. They do some of this reporting for clients already. I mean, people have had a long time. The regulators have delayed it this time, but this probably the last time, right? So this is going in before the year end, right? And it's unlikely there's going to be another push on it. I'm going to ask you to toot your own horn a little bit here, and that's that you guys are among the only ones who really are doing the case compliance, you said. But was that because it's difficult to offer it? What's interesting about it is some firms do part of the reporting for parts of the data set they have. But there, if you look at the reference data flows across firms, so you'll have some reference data that's embedded in your trading operations, which would never, ever be a natural fit for your back office provider like your settlement systems, right? So if you go and you look at the settlement provider, they may do some of this reporting. They'll do it for the clients they know or the clients they have data on, but they don't want to take in the data for the parts they don't have it. Front office providers have an, a, a sort of an aversion to taking in customer data because right. they don't really want it. Right. So you're kind of stuck in this model where everybody's got little bits of it and there's always some gaps around what those, with like who's covering what parts of it. So we're kind of sitting in the middle of that saying, okay, well, you know, we'll cover the parts you can't cover. We'll take the data from the parts you do cover and put it all back together and give you one unified view that's actually been validated and actually easy to work with. So when you guys say you're seeing a lot of growth on the back of case, is that existing clients who are now expanding to meet that regulatory requirement? More new clients. More new clients yeah, coming more in the door clients. because of it. Yeah, more okay. new clients. And it's usually going the other way. So yeah. we've done a lot of cross-selling into clients, but yeah. it's cross-selling of we'll take someone in for this new reporting and then we'll cross-sell them some of the older stuff we're doing You know, in other spaces like 606. Yeah. We do like trace reporting. We do EBS. We do LOPRA. So a lot of our clients have pretty much five or six, you know, different components of the software that they're actually using. That's actually allowed us to grow our footprints at individual clients quite a lot. We're a big advocate of getting the data right. And we're very much in line with the regulators. The regulators know who we are. They go out and audit our clients all the time. Our clients have done a really good job with our help of passing their audits, right? So the regulators, when they see us in a client, they can say, oh, you're using NTIR. Then they kind of know our software, so they'll look at it and, be, and they'll basically be like, okay, here's your check marks. You know, these are the things you're doing. And you generally, we've seen our clients get really good scores on their audits. We're not really one for wanting the clients to have bad experiences with the regulators, but, you know, we do encourage people to be responsible of making the data, getting the data accuracy resolved, whether you work with us or whether you don't. 
No, that's great. And it's uh, the healthy attitude, I think, probably goes yeah. a, long, a long way for something that can be challenging for clients, for sure. Yep. A little bit more about the growth you're seeing. So it's not just on on the back of uh, Cat Case. No. Tell me about the asset classes you're covering and regionally where you're seeing growth also. If you look at it regionally, it's more around segments in the market. So we do really well in the retail space. We do really well with all the foreign broker dealers. We're doing very well with all the new reg tech companies because they you know they have a lot of regulatory requirements on them and they're in growth mode similar to us right so they tend not to have a lot of capacity to handle the regulatory side of things so we've gotten a lot out of that regulatory wise we are growing in our core regs and that's sort of really a mix between us continuing to sort of broaden our footprint at existing clients while we bring in more and more clients What's the size of your clients? Are it full spectrum or is it mostly smaller, middle-sized firms? No, it's, big- it's, it's surprising, right? So we have some tier ones. We have some of the biggest banks in the world globally using us. And we have a lot of mid-sized banks. And, you know, we've started to pick up a lot of the smaller ones. It actually was probably originally more heavy-weighted to the really big firms, which is kind of surprising because we were much smaller when we took them in. Why do you think you're seeing adoption from the smaller firms now? Is it new regulations or just that it's become a more efficient process and they can afford it? We sort of are balanced in our approach towards how much it costs. So for smaller firms, we're not like crazy expensive. But the smaller firms, they're driven more off of new regulation requirements, right? So a lot of this cat case obligations is hitting the smaller firms pretty hard because they didn't have these obligations before, right? They were sort of excluded from the old reporting regimes because of their size, and those exclusions no longer last. So that's that's leading to a lot of the smaller firms having to deal with the regulatory requirements which they never had to address before. That's bringing in a lot of the smaller clients. A lot of the bigger clients, we're picking up a lot of new clients because some of the contracts, you know, we're a couple of years in. You may have chosen a vendor initially. Those vendors may have not done a very good job, and we're seeing contract expirations across like a sort of pretty big segment of the market where people are saying, well, okay, we're not very happy with the last two years of our last experience with this other vendor. So we're getting a lot of new clients from that stream. We get a lot of client referrals, like people referring us, and we have a lot of referrals from lawyers on like, you know, if you have an incident and you're looking for a firm, a lot of the times the law firms will recommend us. It's a feeding network. Yeah. And, you know, when we look at the growth, what we're, gonna, we're trying to do is replicate that in other market segments, right? So kind of keep that sort of U.S. engine growing and then sort of grow that across other trading regs, you know, globally and basically in other segments of the U.S. market. That's a perfect segue to my last question, which is what's next for Entier? Really more growth, operational efficiency, really just trying to make sure we keep the same dynamic. You know, one of the challenges in a growing firm is you really have to work hard to keep the dynamic the same with the clients. We really value our clients. We want to make sure they're successful and we basically keep them in a good spot from the obligations we have to them. And it's really continuing to grow the team and accelerate the growth, but keep that whole sort of same small company dynamic. We get a lot of complaints from clients who were bought up, you know, your provider was bought up and and all of a sudden, they don't like the provider anymore because the service has gone down. So we're trying to grow this and sort of keep that, but keep the same dynamic with the actual client base. Look, if you're getting a lot of your business from word of mouth and from referrals, it sounds like you're, you're doing a pretty yeah. good job of that. So yeah. thank you, Peter. This was great. We really appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us today in the office, doing it in person, which is pretty great. My pleasure. If you'd like to learn more about Entier, you can visit their website at ntierfs.com. That's N. 
T-I-E-R-F-S dot com. And if you'd like to learn more about Forefront, you can visit us at ForefrontComs, that's C-O-M-M-S dot com. Our thanks again to Peter, and thanks very much to all of you for listening. Mm-hmm.